cloud. Okay. Awesome. Penny Tremblay. So fun to see you. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about, um, about sales and networking because of course that's totally changed, but first, um, tell us a little bit about you and your background and all the, all the good stuff. Okay. Well, I am Canadian. I'm new to Rhode Island. I've been here as a homeowner um, since the end of January and um, the love of my life lives here. So I'm pretty privileged and happy to get to spend um, six months a year here. And thank you for having me and allowing me to share some of the magic that I use as an entrepreneur. Um, the interesting thing about what I'm going to share with your group is that um, when I got started in business, I was 19 and I've been in a, uh, an entrepreneur ever since. So I say I'm unemployable now uh, because I've just been used to marching to the beat of my own drum for so long. But um, I got started in a direct sales company and I learned so much from that experience um, about relationships, about sales. And I don't know if anybody who's here has ever been or is uh, with a, a direct sales company or a network marketing company, but you know, every time you go to a convention or you, you get on your team calls, there's motivation and there's recognition and there's education and everything is so inspiring. And that's where I got my foundation for for sales. And I, I really recognized how um, honed and fit I am with my um, entrepreneurial skills when COVID hit, because um, a lot of people did the ostrich approach to COVID, you know, they stuck their head in the sand, and they're just waiting for this to go away. And uh, here we are over a year later, and, it, and it's still here. And where I'm from, it's, you know, really, um, everything just got locked down again, yesterday. So my point is that uh, once you learn good scales, sales strategy, you can make it through anything. Um, and when I say anything, I mean, I have the trust. I had to learn to trust myself. I had to learn that the only security I'll ever have was the security I have within myself to get up in the morning and make stuff happen. Um, mm -hmm. Make, make, stuff happen. That's what I'll say here <laughs> on the recording, but Make I have a word for it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I have a strategy that I'm really looking forward to sharing with your audience. It's six steps to um, networking and, you know, converting the people that you want to be selling to um, into sales. Yeah, that's great. And you're going to be doing a deep dive workshop on the 29th of April, and that's also going to be available on demand, but we're hoping to get everybody to come on and do the work, right? So at the end of the workshop, you have your strategy that is specific to your business, whether you are a nonprofit or for-profit or solopreneur, um, it, it's fairly universal, right? Because it's a framework. Yeah, it's a framework. And, and in business, um, nothing happens until a sale is made. So, you know, you, you might not call sales sales in your organization. If you're a nonprofit or whatnot, you might call them clients or, you know, but at the end of the a day, sponsor maybe, sure. or a foundation. Day, yeah. 
It's building the relationship, right? Which is the networking piece. Okay, it's all about relationships. And um, I have a, uh, I have a couple things that I'm going to share on the 29th with your audience. One is a very old sales statistic, and I, I can't um, uh, remember it all off the top of my head, but it's really old, and it basically talks about the number percent of salespeople who never follow up with a prospect. Um, a very small percent follow up uh, a second time, uh, even smaller percent follow up three times, but only 10% of salespeople follow up more than three times with a, cu oh. a customer. And I, I use the word customer universally, like maybe it's a client prospect, yeah. you yeah. know, sponsor, donor, whatever. Um, but only 2% of sales ever get made on the first contact. And only 3% ever get made on the second contact. And only 3%, uh, sorry, 5% get made on the third contact. Right. So, you know, if you're making three contacts to the same person, you're probably closing ratios about, you know, one in, one in three. Wow. Or like, and but you're only contacting um, so, so few people and yeah. you're contacting them only, you know, three times. Oh, sorry, not one in three. 5%. So, you know, if you're call, if you're calling 100 people, you're going to close 5 on the third right. contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. Okay? So you're Oh, gonna, so that's a big leap. Higher. But listen to this. 80% of sales are made on the fifth to 12th. Wow. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Isn't it? So, for people who want to increase their sales, 80%, you need to contact your, your prospects more often. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean calling them up and being a nagging telemarketer style um, approach, or um, that doesn't mean posting on Facebook, like buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Hey, you ready yet? Yet? How about today? No, it's about building relationships and mm -hmm. And so I'm going to share my strategy on different types of touch points and my strategy of, um, um, well, the six steps, which I can tell you what they are. If you want to know, I can tell you today, or I can make you wait. <laughs> well, I think you can give us a quick preview because, um, you know, we want one of the things about Newport Interactive Marketing that we really specialize in is getting the experts who have their tried and true methods that work, right? And, and know that it works not just for them, but for other people, right? They're using it for their clients. Um, and we ask them to come and explain it in terms that almost anyone can understand. And the nice thing about working with experts is that they're good at that. Like they, you know, because they're not reading from a script that somebody else wrote because they're actually in there doing the work themselves. Um, they can answer the questions and they can explain it in English. So, oh, this is how this would work. So when we're, what we're doing with the workshops is presenting the information and then activating it. So you walk away with your strategy in place and you're able to, you know, I can have a conversation with Penny and say like, Penny, am I like moving in the right direction here? And, you know, it's designed to be relatively small, um, but also, uh, you know, works well on demand. And of course, anybody who presents at NIM is pretty accessible to answer follow-up questions in our LinkedIn group too. So there's lots of opportunity, but I will let you um, give us a little preview. That's really great. 
because yeah, it, it's uh, content is not king or knowledge is not power. It's taking action on the knowledge that is right. power, right? So um, six steps to um, networking and sales are delivered uh, in a boot camp usually. So I, I take a group of people through a process in six weeks. I'm not going to do that with your people unless they want to join my boot camp afterward. But um, on the 29th, I'll share the steps. And the first step is to make a list. You have to know who you want to network with. And when we get talking about that list, people say, yeah, I have a list. Okay, let me see it. Well, uh, it's, it's in my phone. Yeah, but that doesn't count. You need a list, like list, like a list. <laughs> and that could be as simple as, a, as an Excel spreadsheet, but it has to be complete because if you're going to make touch points, you need to know more than just somebody's cell phone number or their yeah. email address, right? So I'm going to share my secrets with you on like what my idea of a full contact record looks like and how to organize these things in mm -hmm. different ways, you know, from simple uh, spreadsheet or like paper notebook, which I've used in the past to some more complex CRM uh, type software. The second step is to have a good elevator pitch. Most people don't have a good elevator pitch. Mm. So elevator pitch is, you know, something that if somebody says, Hey, what do you do? You come out with something that is very brief and it hooks them mm -hmm. their interest. Like you see the eyebrow rise. It's like, Oh, <laughs> that's a good leaves them wanting more. Right. So, um, that is step two. Uh, and then step three is to like, take your list and your, and your one-liner, your elevator pitch and put them together and start making contact. And this is where the phone feels like, you know, 5,000 pounds, like, Oh, do I really have to make <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, yeah, you do have to make the phone call. Or, or maybe you don't, but in my world, in my sales of training, I teach people how to play nice in the sandbox at work. And when they don't, I help them fix broken relationships. So for me, a client is like an HR manager or a, um, uh, a uh, professional, C-suite professional in an organization that's having some challenges uh, with their team or they want leadership training. They recognize their team needs some polishing of skills, especially around conflict resolution, getting along, um, being able to really have healthy debates, talk about things, you know, work through challenges, then um, that's an ideal client for me. If, if I want to um, make, if I want to make sales of my programs, I need to pick up the phone. I don't make sales by email. Like it's very rare that somebody emails me and goes like, Hey, do you, can you help us? And I go, yeah you know, can you send me 50,000 bucks? And they go, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. So checks in the mail, <laughs> I have to get on the phone and, you know, um, and I know the phone is so heavy when we first get started, but once we get on a roll and we build some momentum, we get into it and yeah. the phone gets lighter and lighter. Um, so one of the things that really works well with a bootcamp experience is that you're, you're kind of working as a group and there's some accountability. But for me, I, I do this every day, um, five days a week, all year long. And when I started using my own system, I increased, I doubled my sales. Mm -hmm. And I did that three years in a row. And then COVID, nice. and I'll tell you what happened last year because the numbers are in, I 
did not double my sales last year, but I surpassed them from the year before. Wow. And, and I, and I still have a goal to double my sales from 2019 and I'm on track right now. We just entered quarter two. It's beginning That's of crazy. April, 2021. And I'm on track for my goals. I had a smashing quarter one, um, this quarter. And that's awesome. What really helps me stay committed and focused is my own strategy here where I, I know what to do. Uh, and I think that we all know what to do. The real question is, are we doing it? And are we tracking it? And, and, you know, like if I was going to call Suzanne McDonald, I, I, you know, need to know, well, what's the last thing when, when's the last day I called her and what did she say? And then, you know, I need to track that next call. And so it's just all about systemizing your approach and moving the needle a little bit each day. Um, And so I will share some of my tips on how I time block my agenda to get, mm. to get this mm-hmm. happen. And, um, I will share some of my, uh, crazy, um, strategies that are super simple. If you can make it to the dollar store and get yourself a sketch pad and some colored markers, you can make yourself a scoreboard and you can, you know, see, you can track your progress. You don't have to have, you know, a scoreboard that looks like mine, but you do have to keep score because you need to know if you're on April the 8th, you know, where, where am I at with my monthly goals? Am I on track? Am I way behind? Am I way ahead? Mm -hmm. Can I I take the day off? Can I go out for lunch with Suzanne? Or do I have to make my sales calls first before I say yes to going out for lunch with Suzanne? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to sharing my stuff and meeting your, your group. And yeah, yeah, I've been to one of your meetings before um, in Newport. And yeah, um, yeah it's so fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that's happened with COVID is whatever system you had, you know, your system was COVID adaptable, but most people's systems were not. Um, I've been doing some research on virtual events and virtual versus in person and you know, the statistics, the forecasts are that virtual is going to be in place. Yes. Are people going to come back? Are there going to be signature events that they attend? Yes. But there's going to be room for both. There's going to be that adaptation. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So to have what would be a lockdown proof strategy, I think makes a lot of sense because a lot of the strategies people have traditionally used aren't really applicable anymore. Like, you know, you're going to go and walk in and call on customers, but like, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I know. Or do you even have, you know, what also is interesting is that um, people who exclusively use their office phone and maybe not, or they gave out their office phone number and not their cell phone number. Like, how is that all tracking through? And there's just, there's a lot of disruption. I, I think people are still trying to figure it out, right? Like what makes sense? So I'm, I'm thrilled that you're willing to share your secret sauce, which many of our NIM speakers do um, to really try to help, help so many businesses um, adapt and, and still continue to thrive is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I am realizing I just packed and moved uh, twice once here and once in Canada. Um, but I have all these business cards and I'm thinking, 
wow. Uh, when's the last time you handed out a business card or I know. So um, you're right. It's a different approach and a different strategy. And um, we're all learning to do things a little bit more paperless than before, which is great for the environment, but um, you're right. It requires uh, a real, I think a real awareness of the possibilities but then selecting the nuggets that you're going to, to commit to and not worrying about all the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Finding a system and sticking to it. Consistency is a really big part of sales success. Yeah. Yeah. One thing too, that I'm interested in get gathering your ideas and maybe not today, uh, maybe later on this month is what are maybe some ways that are unique? Because a lot of the things that I have done now, everyone is doing, I'm like, ah, you know, and I I wonder if there are other people who are in that situation. So are there, are there little tricks and ways to reach out that, that you find that are effective that maybe people would say, oh, that's so old school, or I never thought about that. Um, Yeah. Cause I know for one, oh, I don't have it. I don't have it handy, but I have your card that you sent me. I know when we had lunch a year ago, the last time we had an interview and I hope you bring it on the 29th. I will. Um, I am a snail mail sender. So Mm. I send greeting cards and I've sent one to you and you've sent one to me. In fact, your mail was the very first mail that I ever got at my new address here in Rhode Island. Um, my partner Trent said to me, Oh, you got mail. And I, I wasn't even here yet. And I was like, what? I'm getting- uh-huh. um, but you had given me the address. Snail mail is snail mail sticks around. Right. And nobody's sending snail mail anymore. Cause that's an old strategy, but I've been sending snail mail for um, 13 years, uh, 14 years. I've been sending greeting cards for 14 years. I've sent about 13,000 something greeting cards in the last wow and um i'll tell you it gets me in the door Uh, and i'm I'm sure that it'll get me in the virtual door too for example and by the way this is not why i send them and that's another thing is being the author of a book way back there on the shelf called give and be rich one the very first chapter is about giving just to give like make people's day better make people's life better just because you're that person, just Mm -hmm. because you're that awesome, not because you want them to do something in return for you. Right. right? So that is called um, uh, unconditional giving. Right. And the opposite I call sticky giving, you know, it's sticky because you, you know, you're, you're doing something for somebody with a condition. And if likes attract, if like attracts like, then they're going to do something back to you with a condition. So Mm -hmm. anyways, um, just making people's world a better place is my, you know, is paramount, but I send greeting cards and, um, there are times when I've been introduced, um, on stage and somebody say, um, Oh, and the next, you know, female entrepreneurs, best business woman I I know, and her name's Penny Trombley. And I get up there and I go, Oh, well, thank you. Uh, what makes you think I'm the best businesswoman that you know? Oh, well, you send, you send cards or you sent me a card or, you know, uh, I've had somebody say, how many people here have gotten a card from Penny Trombley and a whole bunch of hands go up? Well, it's just 
you know, it, it's just a touch point. It's not yeah. just a touch point. It's a unique touch point. And right. all you're trying to do is reach out and, and emotionally touch somebody. That's yeah. all. So, yeah. you know, one of the touch point strategies that I'll share on the 29th is, you know, the people that you, is on your list that you want to follow or that you want to touch, even following their, them on social media, making a real effort to engage in their posts and comment on their things. And, you know, when they're, when they post a daughter of a picture of their daughter on her fifth birthday, you know, like, like, don't just like that, like comment on it or, right, right. or just really get interested in them as people first. Because if you think about a business service or product that you want and somebody who you like does that and somebody that you don't know does that, you're always going to choose the person that you like, right? So right. It's, it's just a, human nature. That's right. anthropology. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, and it's relationship building. What frustrates me is getting, um, getting asked too soon for a date. Like, for example, um, mm. somebody approaches me on LinkedIn and says, hi, we're an SEO agency and we really do this. And like, I, I yeah. feel like, I feel like you've just invaded my privacy and wasted a second of my, my, mm. my energy to read that because yeah. I don't know you. And so, and I think maybe it's because I'm such a relationship builder that I expect other people to treat me like I treat them, which is a mistake. You know, um, people do the best with what they know, but um, I think that everybody would agree that, you know, the more you can build a relationship and there's so much we can give, like doesn't have to be monetary, doesn't have to cost mm -hmm. you money to give, you could give somebody a smile, um, you know, a secret thought, prayer, um, good intentions, good wishes, send them a private message. If you know that they're going through a difficult time. I mean, it's all those things that um, kind of where business and personal lines blur, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Maya Andrew has that old quote about, um, people won't necessarily remember what you've done or said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel good yeah. or bad. So yeah. it's about doing things that are unique, that make people feel good. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's so true. But I think also what is, or what I'm not very good at, right. Is syncing that up to what my value proposition is. You know what I mean? So I tend to be you know, I've been doing Newport Interactive Marketing for, we're going into our 11th year, right? And I, and I have benefited from it. Otherwise, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy it, but it would be hard to justify the amount of time that it takes. But most of my clients come in through referral, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, now I'm thinking I need to be a little more proactive. Um, and am I articulating my value proposition in a way that makes sense? Because I have a lot of relationships, but there's been so many times when I've been at a NIM event in person where someone will go to introduce me to someone new and they're like, what do you do again? And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> how can that be? And like, onus is on me, right? That I'm not doing a very good job articulating what my value proposition is and what I bring aside from like this great community of experts and we all share information and things like that. Like, I think I'm very well known at least in Rhode Island for that. Um, 
but you know, as far as what my business does, I could be doing a better job. Um, and, and I wonder how, how common that is, or what's, what's your take on that? Well, I think that that's very common because, um, not everybody has a really clear brand, um, message. So brand clarity. And I know that was my issue as well up until the sandbox brand, um, landed with me. So long story short, back in the early day, I went from direct sales to, uh, teaching professional development training. And I, 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 my company is called the Trombley Leadership Center. And when people would ask me what I do, I would say, well, I helped uh, teach leadership uh, skills and knowledge and communication and time management and blah, blah, blah. And nothing was really landing in a way that they could just like hang it on a simple hook in their brain and go, she does this. Um, and then I was working on my elevator pitch because I was teaching uh, how to create a great elevator pitch. And one of the things that you want to do with an elevator pitch is come out with something brief, but also could be um, edgy or, you know, humorous or unexpected or something like that. So I, I came up with, um, I teach people how to play nice in the sandbox. And when I said that, people would go, <laughs> you need to come to our workplace. And I was like, this um, elevator pitch is working. And so um, I went through a brand um, process with a marketing agency like yourself. And um, we nailed it down to two potentials. One was love in the workplace, because that's pretty edgy, right? Mm, yeah. And the other was um, play nice in the sandbox. And my coach who I was going through the process with, she didn't like the sandbox. She liked love in the workplace, but I did a bit of a test with people that I know. And one girl was executive director of an agency. She said, I wouldn't send my staff to a love in the workplace. Cause I think that they'd be freaked out about that, but she goes yeah. talk to me about your sandbox stuff and I'm all over it. And right. if you're not going to use it, I'm going to, cause she, <laughs> she was like, you know, uh, somebody who, aspires to be like me when she grows up. So yeah, awesome. So I was like, okay, I will definitely nail this down. And so it has become my brand. And now people know me as the sandbox lady. Yeah. Because right. that's just real easy. And and it has, you know, a like the sandbox lifeguard. Nice. <laughs> so brand clarity is not something that you just wake up one morning and go like ding ding ding. I got it. Or maybe you do. For me, it wasn't like that. It took a lot of work and it took a lot of paring down all of the things. And then here's the real honest truth. I do a lot of things, but you'll never know it by looking at my website. Right. Like you will not find this sales and networking bootcamp on my website. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I just had a long conversation with a friend who, you know, is pivoting into her own business and has a ton of experience and yeah, we just basically spent an hour on a friend to friend coaching call where I said, you know, think about, think about what you, what type of work you want to do. Right. Because she's fortunate that she's in a position where, you know, like she's not a single mom, you know, they're a dual household. They're able to, you know, they've made lifestyle choices that they're not dependent. So I said, well, what's the worst thing if it doesn't work? Right. But, it, you know, it may take a little bit of time, but when you do get busy, 
you want to be busy doing the type of work that you always want to be doing, right? That you can wake up and be like, oh, so think about what you don't want to do and think about what you do want to do. And um, yeah, I had recommended, like I said, cause she's working on her website. I said, get, like get a blank wall and post-it notes and put up like headers. And then like, you know, when you have like, okay, I do, you know, media relations, like what are all the things in media relations? What are all the examples? I said, when you get to, when you get to a category that you have like two things, I was like, just don't even include it, but you know, you got to hang your hat somewhere and it, it's hard. It's super hard. I mean, I've gone through a couple of rebrands myself and, and that was the point that she made was, you know, it's not permanent. So you try it, it doesn't work. You, and I like to mess around with my LinkedIn page in that regard, like just, you know, Hey, it's kind of easy to go in and change things up and test things out. And then if you are reaching out to people or people reaching out to you, you kind of get a sense of maybe what's resonating because a lot of people will comment and say like, Oh, this stood out or that stood out. And I specifically ask them too, when they connect with me, I say, thanks for reaching out and linking in. Like what, what's, why did you pick me to connect with? And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, you just came up as somebody or like, you looks like you're doing interesting things. So, but, but I agree with you that, that, that like the hook, right. Mm -hmm. Is, is really, um, and in fact, I just came up with it, um, with what I think I'm going to be going with. And it took a networking friend to say, he's looking at my LinkedIn profile and he's like, you know, you just like, you need something like, you know, it's all this, like jargony, whatever. Like there's not anything that really stands out. It's like, you know, just say something like come up with something witty or something. And when witty is not really my, my, I'm not that great at it. So, but finally, like literally I was thinking about it for six weeks in this very passive way. Like, what's it, what is it, what is it, what is it? And what, and even, even with angles and insights, when I finally rebranded to that, I looked and thought about the language that I use. Right. And so like angles, because I used to be a journalist and then insights, I would always say, instead of thoughts, insights. So I just put those two things together, angles and insights, you know, like, should I have the and in there? Like, I wish I didn't, but whatever, like, here we are. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that you need to give your brain time to relax and think about, think about what that is. And also working with a professional, I think is, is very helpful. Yes. And also branding your name. Um, so pennytrombley.com is my, my name, my website, my email address, info at pennytrombley.com. You know, um, I, I think that that is really important. If I decided to switch lanes and get out of the sandbox and get into, um, you know, dog training, uh, which would be my next favorite thing to do. Um, so if anybody needs a volunteer, Can I hire you for that now? <laughs> yeah. um, if anybody needs a volunteer dog trainer, um, I'm interested. Or if anybody is a dog trainer and needs a student to volunteer, I will pick up the poop and, you know, pay my dues to volunteer. Um, awesome. If I'm going to change lanes, I'm still Penny Trombley. Right. Right. And um, uh, I think that branding your name is a really wise idea. And then don't be pennytrombley at gmail.com, be penny at pennytrombley.com. Mm. You know, so there's so much branding potential that we have right under our noses that, um, you know, just really helps. It's the consistency, brand, colors, you know, logo, even your lingo. You might say, you know, I say things um, like, 
oh, like an ostrich, don't stick your head in the sand. I say things like, uh, you know, um, oh, like tell them to go pound sand, um, you know, right. dig deep, build your greatest castle. So once you kind of nail your brand down, you can have a whole bunch of words, but even without the brand, you can get creative with that too. Like if you're in the horse business, you know, um, then, you know, um, get back on the horse and keep giddy going up. and giddy up and <laughs> all of these, um, all of these special yeah. words kind of come together. As far as people remembering you later on, you really need to keep in touch with people for them to remember you later on. Mm. Um, and I would say that's where the, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple point touch point, multiple touch points comes yeah. into play. You could, you could have gone to a conference and, and seen this incredible speaker and taken their paperwork and filed it in your filing cabinet. And a year later, they come to your mind, but you can't remember their name. Right. Right. It's not that they weren't good. It's that a lot has gone through your mind in a year and, and they're just not sticking. So yeah. um, you really do need to keep in touch. Stay on. Stay with your brand. Be consistent. Keep messages dripping out. Give, give, give. Keep giving people stuff. Uh, we're sure. talking about, you know, ways to look at making your own business stand out a little bit differently. Um, I I would always coach people to go back to the giving stage and recognize, you know, what do you have that other people need that you could give away for um, like a free, mm -hmm. like a free session, sure. free, you know, um, a free branded template that they could put pictures in for Instagram, whatever. Um, what, what, what gifts can you give to people to help them grow their business that, um, you know, gets them thanking you and connected to you and recognizing the quality of your work. Um, what some of the term that you, some term, a term that you may have heard before is from freemium to premium. So if you sure. think about how a lot of companies do business like zoom and, you know, Calendly and yep. thousands of businesses, it's like they have a free plan. And then yep. if you want, the features, you know, you have to upgrade and you have to pay. So, you know, finding out the little things that you can give and in your posts, even, you know, giving people, um, free stuff. Like if you're, if you're in, you know, if you're a restaurateur and you're closed right now and you know, you might want to give away your secret sauce recipe. I mean, sure. I'm, I'm not, saying that that's a good idea. I'm saying that that's a possibility. That's a sure. possibility. You might even yeah, just or host a cooking that. class. You just, yeah, you might just do that. Under non-COVID times. Favorite customers, you know, you might print it out and send it in the mail and say, yeah, sure you're missing our, I'm sure you're missing your favorite pasta um, dish from the XYZ restaurant. Here's the rest. Yep. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. So there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's things that, um, there's people in my life that I have connected to and spent thousands and thousands of dollars with because they gave me so much value before I was even willing to spend a dime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I really believe that the universe has a perfect accounting system and no good deed goes unmatched. So 
Um, you know, as we all go through these, this challenging time and, and these troubles, we have to remember that a rising tide floats all boats. And mm -hmm. as hard as it might seem to sometimes to give from an empty well, it's those times when we can reach a little bit deeper and, you know, just pull out more of ourselves that we didn't even really know we had. Yeah. And what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, right. it, it's going to be, it's going to all work out in the end. I think so. Yeah. And I think that again, even if you're not busy with work or clients or what have you, this is a great opportunity to look at your systems. I mean, that's, that's what I'm focusing on. That's why I wanted to have you um, do this workshop because I thought like this, this is going to be great. Like it's these types of systems. And, you know, I've kind of gotten to a point now where um, my systems are so, I mean, they're not perfect, but I have enough systems in place that I think it's hard. Um, I was, I've actually, here's the book right here. I'm reading this book, right? Again, right. I got it from the library. It's going to be back in Rhode Island libraries pretty soon, but anyway, traction. So, you know, and it's all about like developing systems that kind of keep things going. And, um, oh, actually it was another book that talks about this, that hiring younger people oh, really? can be good because it'll help you get your systems together. And, or actually this it's, oh yeah, look <laughs> at that. Um, so yeah, it's going to bring your systems and then to not have other people who maybe have their own systems and then they're like crossing wires. So I just recently had an experience that was not really that positive. And, um, you know, I was thinking about outsourcing some things and, uh, and yeah, it was just, it was, it was really weird. Like you could just tell it was like moving in a weird path. And I thought initially like, well, maybe I just wasn't articulating it well enough, but now I'm of the opinion that like, I just think that it was people, you know, who were like really experienced and we're sort of like, whoa, this is like a lot, you know, and they kind of want to come in and do their system and not necessarily do the system that I've built, which doesn't mean that my system's perfect because it definitely needs help. But um, yeah, so it's just something that I, that forced me to reflect because I was like, it's, it's really strange for me. Like, I don't normally have experiences like that where you're like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but there's always room for improvement. Um but yeah, to have these systems in place, I think is really great. And that way you can, um, there's another book too that I've read. Are you familiar with this one? Systemology? No, that's a, That's another good one. It's, it's short. Like you could just listen to the audio. I, I listen to a lot of audio books, traction. I did listen to the audio and I was like, oh, I need to actually sit down and like work through it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's enough there. So certainly has given us uh, a break in time to put some of these foundational pieces into our businesses. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure I'm speaking for everyone, but it certainly has done that for me. And, yeah. uh, you know, it hasn't changed the future. It's accelerated our future. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who will be nodding their heads when they hear us talking about this, that, um, we probably knew one day that we would be doing video calls and video conferencing. And we probably knew because, you know, they did it in Star Trek, right? Like the video. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, we, we also probably knew that one day we would like to have an online um, presence an online business. We'd like to make money while we're sleeping and, you yeah. know, we'd like to have, and now we get to, 
like we get to do all of those things because we have time. I don't know about your area, but my area back home in um, Ontario, um, there's a lot of grants available for small business. There's a lot of grant money. And yeah, they're, there they're, is here too. Into the small businesses that are suffering because they're being forced to close their doors. So I highly encourage you to grab a hold of everything that you possibly can. And don't be one of those stick your head in the sand kind of ostriches waiting for this cloud to blow over. Because as you said earlier, Suzanne, you know, the a lot of what we have um, experienced in COVID is here to stay. Um, there will be a hybrid of virtual work and, and and don't get too overwhelmed because um, everybody's sandcastle has been leveled, right? Mm. I came in and washed everything flat. And so rather than being discouraged with that, just recognize that as you look left and right, all of your competitors are in the same boat. Everything yeah. that's ever been written or done before 2019 is old. Yeah. So it's not as relevant anymore. I'm yeah. working on getting a book publisher for um, um, sandbox strategies for the workplace. And one of the, so I had my proposal done and I had my query letter. And one of the agents said, uh, workplace conflict. He said, I'm in downtown New York and uh, there's nobody coming to work. So if you write a proposal on the new workplace, mm. I'll be interested. So interesting. Well, really discouraging, but it inspired me to do a survey, which um, is coming to an end. Actually, I was just working on the uh, compiling the report for the data this morning, but I will put a link in, I'll send a link so that you can put it in this call for anybody who wants to get their, yeah. their survey response. And because there is a draw for a free iPad and I have oh, awesome. Yeah, probably won't make it for another week. But um, my point is that no matter what industry you're in, um, you're on the cutting edge of new today because of what's happened. Right. And we've all been pushed here. Nobody's, well, some people have gotten here before us because they invented things like Uber or Amazon or, you know, sure. but I mean, when you think about it, there is so much opportunity and we're just at the beginning of it. So, you know, um, thinking about how you can do what you do differently so that it can be done without um, physical contact is, is where you're going to start tapping your genius. And we're saving mm -hmm. a lot of money and time not moving around, right? So yeah. yes, it's different. I hope that, um, you know, people are living in harmony. And if they're not, um, maybe reach out to me because I can help with conflict in um, workplaces, businesses, and families. But yeah. hopefully everybody's living in harmony and they're enjoying their, their, their atmosphere, their environment, and their home life and recognizing that everybody's under stress and pressure. And so we need to work a little harder on our exercise, um, on our, on our exercise, on our, on our tolerance muscles. That's what I meant to yeah. say. The exercise well, and that self-care piece muscle. too. Yes. Yeah. But, the self-care is really important. I think right now, but we all need each other and we need a sense of community. We need to stay together and we need to meet up like this once in a while and, um, and, and learn and share. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you again on April 29th. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. And so we're going to do at noon, it's a Thursday 
and uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. So it's going to be laptops open, pencils out, and uh, we're going to get it done, which I'm super excited about. Fantastic. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Penny. I really appreciate you taking the time and we will see you soon.